Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If you are not, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with academia, innovators, startups, NGOs, all looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. My name is Samuel Ettini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to episode 13. Today, we have a leading expert in renewable energy. He is working with one of the biggest companies. It's called Siemens Gamesa in Spain, and he has overseen a lot of projects in renewable energy, especially also in the emerging market. Today, we have the honor to have Manuel Anzizu Baramendi. I hope I pronounced correctly. It's a bit difficult for me. Thank you, Manuel, to be here. Yeah, thank you so much, Samuele, for uh, having me here. Yeah, correct. You have pronounced it uh, very well. It's not, uh, it's not an easy one, but you, you really made it. So thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So, Manuel, you are an expert. You have worked for more than 20 years with a leading company. And even you have a, a very broad experience in renewable energy, which is now the general problem that we are facing, how that also our planet is facing within this decade that has been earmarked as a crucial decade for our very survival in, in our planet. It's been designed that uh, because it's been said that uh, we need to, um, to stop the increase of uh, temperature. And for that, it's been released the uh, 2030 strategy by the United Nations that is in place and that yeah combines 17 different sustainable development goals that yeah related to not only climate but also poverty access to education more efficient ways of using energy and uh, with all that combined we expect that uh, by 2050 at least this is the global target there is a, a zero net emissions on the atmosphere which is called carbon neutrality. So that what is being released to the atmosphere that is polluting, then it can be offset by renewable production uh, in place. And for that, there are different ways of doing that, but uh, two of them that are uh, very straightforward are either we reduce the number of emissions to the atmosphere, or we increase the renewables released to the atmosphere, or the third one, which is a combination of both of them. Very interesting. So I think is the, as you say, the decarbonization, it's really how to become carbon neutral. It's really a, a tough objective. And let me ask you from your perspective of expert, which can be the role, and maybe a bit more in deep of the renewable energy, how they can green, you know, how we do energy. Renewable energy here plays a, a key role in this uh, equation. As I said before, either we reduce the emissions or we increase the amount of renewable energy produced and consumed in the companies and, and homes or a combination of both. So um, what is clear is that renewables need to keep increasing. And actually, some statistics show that we are on that path, for example, related to wind energy. Um, despite 2020 was a year related to this pandemic, this 2020 was the, uh, the best year ever 
for um, global wind industry, uh, actually with, a, with an increase of uh, more than 50%, according to the uh, Global Wind Energy Council. So uh, let's say that all the sector has been able to address the issues of the pandemic, but at the same time, work safe and keep working, keep moving forward to install more uh, wind energy uh, wind farms there in the different places uh, in the world where we operate. So the global accumulated capacity of wind energy, for example, has increased during the 2020, and, and this is the, the path to keep moving forward uh, towards the coming years. And for that, it's not, not only that solar or wind energy or um, other renewable sources of energy are in place, but also needs to be considered the aspects that need to be combined with that. For example, infrastructure. Uh, it's not just that we have uh, bigger installations, but we need to transport them. We need to install them. We need to uh, have trained people to uh, move the components, to operate them, to maintain them. So there is a whole infrastructure around them that needs to be in place. Actually, you touch a very important point because it's not only we need to install more wind or solar, as you said, but uh, really, you can say, constraint to this effective deployment of this uh, technology. Maybe from your experience, which are those constraints that are still not enabling an effective deployment of renewable energy a large scale? What is good to be uh, working in this sector is that we are working in a sector that, let's say, is working in something that is good for the planet. And it's not only an idea, but only how this idea can become into projects and how those projects can make those ideas a real. For example, two of the things that could be mentioned, for example, is the uh, permitting process, for example. There are many developers around the world, but if we want to be on time for 2030 or 2050 carbon neutral targets, there must also be a permits in the uh, administration so that these wind farms or wind energy plants, renewables and the and developments and innovations uh, can take place. This is on one side. And for example, another thing that is uh, important is the capacity to store the, this renewable energy with batteries, for example. And uh, this is something that um, yeah, is being analyzed and investigate how to have better and more powerful batteries so that this energy produced when the consumption is low, can be stored, and then it can compensate when uh, there is a peak in the consumption. You have touched a very crucial point about batteries. We can ask you, which are the future possible developments for this crucial problem? There is uh, more consumption during daylight, for example, than at night. And there are moments that um, that renewable energy cannot cover all the uh, energy consumption. So this is why batteries are so relevant uh, here. That is interesting because, you know, without the batteries, of course, a lot of energy, as you said, will be wasted. So it, that is really something that we really, we really need to, to focus. Is there hope? When do you think that renewable will manage to have also 
a battery capacity that will be strong enough to, to collect all the energy produced. That is uh, wishful thinking. Yes, so, uh, <laughs> I know. And, yeah, but what is clear is that... Um, yeah, there are lots of innovations going on. For example, in the European Union, with the resilience and recovery facilities that is in place with 670 billion euros in place, there are several projects related to this efficient management of energy, batteries, other sources of energy, so that with all combined, hopefully it can be produced a leap in this innovation process that can lead us to, to another stage and be ready for this 2050 carbon neutral global target. You mentioned an important thing, you know, we need more investment for, to unlock the type of innovation that you have told us. Given this overall framework, you know, the problem of decarbonization, the importance of renewable, one thing that is also your topic and your work in the preparation of this big project is going down to the project management. How do you realize this type of project, especially maybe in context of the emerging economies? What is good about projects is that they facilitate the idea to come true. So it's not this idea that is up there and uh, everyone talks about that, but to make that happen, uh, we need solid projects uh, in place to facilitate their development. And what is very, very relevant in this kind of projects, and mainly in developing countries, is that there are many stakeholders involved. We have the governments, the authorities, there are technical assessors, there are financial assessors, financial institutions, maybe multilateral banks that uh, are financing the operations, for example, the African Development Bank or the uh, European Investment Bank, the uh, European Reconstruction Development Bank. Lots of uh, different stakeholders financing the projects in investment funds. Also, there is a customer, there is a contractor, subcontractors, lots of stakeholders involved. And uh, in developing countries especially, this is very important to be uh, managed properly so that from the idea until the final handover of the project, to the customer, everything is well in place, well aligned, and there are no misunderstandings with the stakeholders involved. We are talking about complex projects, but also with different stakeholders, uh, people at the offices and people working on site. Also different cultures involved, which all of them together, um, fantastic from my point of view, but also has some challenges that needs to be uh, addressed, well addressed during the execution and the preparation process. That is a very crucial point. Stakeholder management, especially in, in such context, it's really crucial. And if not addressed properly, I think it can derail such projects. Which are the advantages of such big projects? Because we see, for example, even here in Kenya, they are setting up a solar plant or a wind farm. Also, your company was involved in one wind plant in Nairobi, which are the advantages and maybe also disadvantages for the, the countries to have this type of projects? Yes, I could mention two advantages. There will be more, but at least to highlight two of them. The first of them is that they provide value during project preparation and execution. Why do they provide value? Because um, there must be some infrastructures there, some qualified technicians there, 
they provide renewables and increase the renewable capacity. So, and this is in a country perspective, this is very good because that provides more independence in the energy sourcing. So the countries can manage their energy, which is a strategic resource by, let's say, and not being so dependent from the other countries. This is a good advantage. They provide value during project execution. The second main advantage is that they keep providing value long after the project has concluded, because this is not a one-off investment. This involves a facility that remains in the country, the solar panels, uh, the wind energy plants, the wind energy facilities, they are going to remain there. And for them to operate properly and for them to produce good energy availability, they need to be maintained. And, uh, and for that, that is regularly done by local people. So uh, you have skilled works that involves people. Maybe you have training infrastructure that is uh, associated all this um, economic activity and training activity that is involved in all these uh, in all these projects. It is very very interesting. Even the the diffusion of technology, it, it can be also another economic value, no? And and training also youth. I think it's very relevant. Yes, and it's even very related to the 2030 agenda, like scheme or philosophy, which is combining public and private investment and scale those those investments. So in this sense, these kind of facilities, which are usually large facilities um, that involves uh, investment technology, uh, operation and maintenance, that can then lead to uh, new businesses, local businesses, uh, skilled works, local businesses around this training, around the, the maintenance of the facilities and other that surround that, for example, you will need some sort of yeah, towns, infrastructure, villages for the people to be there. So all of them associated is not a one-off investment, which is the good thing, but is going to remain in the country for the years to come and for the communities uh, that are there in place. I think it's a very strong business case. And not mentioning also the fact, as you say, that it will be a reduction on dependence on oil and maybe coal, which they are very heavy polluter and going towards the, the renewable energy. Given this context, you know, it's very exciting. Which are maybe the future ideas that they are coming in the sector? Because although we can say we are no longer in the infancy of the renewable energy, it's not yet an adult energy. So it's still in transitioning. Which are the future ideas? Which are the future innovation that they are there? And then maybe you are still, you are even working on within your experience. Yeah, we could mention um, some of them, for example, um, let's say the continuous effort to reduce the, the cost of energy. So that means uh, innovations in technology, innovations in material uh, development, for example, um, blades producing, let's say, with the capacity to produce the same output, but uh, being, being thinner or uh, being uh, yeah, less heavy, for example, that would be one. So all the efforts taken to reduce that cost of energy um, also new sources of energy, for example, um, one that has been very disruptive and, uh, and it's uh, 
lots of dialogue around this. Uh, these days is the hydrogen that uh, yeah, it's said to be one of the key assets to produce this leap and that is widely available in the nature, but that uh, we cannot exploit that hydrogen uh, currently, let's say with massive cereal production. So how to reach there can be another work stream. And um, as mentioned before, the batteries, we might be producing energy, but how we use all that energy efficiently and uh, we don't waste that energy. So if it can be stored and um, efficiently uh, also, not only in a small amount, because uh, we want this to scale up batteries that are powerful enough to be associated to a big renewable energy plant that can uh, store big quantities of energy. This can be another work stream. And for sure, the, uh, the continuation of this combination of public and private uh, investments, co-investments that work together, how we, we can leverage this uh, public investment to attract business and new opportunities and how we can attract and how can we leverage the effort of big companies to the development, but that can also lead to new entrepreneurs, new small businesses, local businesses, for example, in developing countries. And that also help not only to more renewables, which is uh, good, but also to produce more development for the local communities and the local countries that we operate in. That is, I think, very crucial. So, you know, you have this dual strategy also working to foster and strengthen from the operational and technical point of view, but also on the economic, also on the customer point of view. And this one leads me maybe to a question, how maybe an individual can, uh, like the people that are listening, how we can be part, how we can foster the renewable energy deployment, how we can support this movement? A key idea is that every positive step counts. Each you and me and all of us can individually make our part, whatever we are um, and uh, whatever we do to uh, make that happen, to put sustainability at, um, yeah, as a priority. Because it's the aggregate of all of us what really will make an impact. So how each of the steps can count and uh, yeah, how each of us can contribute to the aggregate of everything. For example, one very simple step that can be taken and as a recommendation is that uh, everything starts from an analysis of where we are. There are available these uh, carbon footprint calculators. Are, they are widely available on the internet. And you can answer like several very easy questions about your day-to-day uh, -day habits. And, uh, and then you can see uh, what's your level of commitment in sustainability or in what areas you are better or in what areas you need to uh, improve. And it's quite funny. If you, uh, you can look at that in the internet, they are called carbon footprint calculators. And, uh, and then have an idea where you stand. And from there, you can build up your strategy and to make an impact. Knowing that, every positive step counts. That's a very positive message because every step counts. And I think 
Sometimes it's a shocking experience. The carbon footprint calculator makes us aware of how unsustainable our, our lifestyle sometimes is. I think it's really good, uh, very extremely good suggestion. Maybe along your long experience and work, can you share maybe the, some lesson learned that you have done and that you have got with the working and deploying renewable projects and especially in different contexts and especially following up such big projects, not only, you know, in the inception, but in the implementation, which is, I think, the worst and most difficult part. One main lesson learned that uh, I've got during this year is that um, it's great to work on something that can really make a positive impact in the communities, in the world itself. That is great. But it's not only the idea of having a better world, it can really have an impact. The idea is the first step, but then it's the combination of people, ideas, and projects what can bring that idea come true, which is what really adds value at the end. So how these people that have an idea and then they make a project that can last for years since the development, uh, the permit processing, the sourcing, the manufacturing, the logistics, the installation, and the commissioning of the facility, how can those projects make the idea and the strategy come true? So the combination of both of them is what really can make that impact. And uh, a second lesson learned could be that projects are all about people working as a team to make those ideas and dreams and strategies come true. How this affect the sustainable projects, for example. This is even more relevant in sustainable projects. Why? Because uh, they have uh, many stakeholders. There are many stakeholders uh, in other projects as well, but it's really a clear aspect in sustainable projects. So that how with the effort of so many people involved from the beginning until the end in different fields, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different uh, places at the office, on site, at the harbor, in a laboratory, how all that effort combined can make that goal be achieved. And it's fascinating to know that we are working uh, in a sector that uh, is good for the environment itself, but also provide a good impact on the countries, the communities that we operate in. That is an incredible, I think, incredible lessons that you are giving us. The human factor is, is crucial in every team, but especially in this area, because you need commitment and work, and especially the impact you are having. It's really good and, and insightful. Since we are going to the closure, we always ask this, you know, do you want to leave a final message to the audience of the podcast? The message could be that there is a goal and... Um... And the goal is to be carbon neutral by 2050. And there are different alternatives for that. And for sure, uh, renewables energy are one of the key assets to make that, that true. But also how this goal, which is uh, the final objective, how this can leverage projects and people that will work together and that are working together to make that idea come true. It's very good that uh, 
we can have the possibility with our own effort, each one individually, whatever you are and whatever you do, you can make your actions count towards this uh, yeah, fascinating objective that makes us dream of a carbon neutral uh, world in 2050. Thank you, Manuel. That is our dream. That is the common effort that we are all looking and we are all pointing towards because we, because it's not only an objective, I think it's, it's becoming more and more without doubt, a necessity for our very survival in the, in the planet. So personally, I want to, to thank you so much for this insightful lesson. I can, I can tell you a lesson how to manage project and also how to deploy effectively renewable energy, even you know, in emerging economy and which are the benefits for those countries. I think a key point that we highlight is not only the idea, the idea you said is the first step. Then there is the combination of people, the idea, of course, the people, and then the effective implementation of the project. I think that one is a very strong message. Thank you, Emmanuel. I, I really appreciate it. And we will see also maybe in another episode where you have gone and which other projects are you managing in the near future. Thank you, Samuel. It's been uh, really my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. And hopefully I have delivered value to, the, to you, to the show, and to the audience that listen to the podcast. And hopefully uh, you like it. So thank you so much and wish you all the best for the podcast. Thank you so much, Manuel. Thank you. Are you better off after this wonderful episode? In the next one, we will talk about how to communicate sustainability.